Welcome to another episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast, where we talk about all things related to athletic performance, rehabilitation, and wellness. My name is Dr. Michael Falk with Kinetic Sports Medicine and Performance, and I will be hosting this episode. And I'm joined today by Evan Krasinski, who is a pitcher in the St. Louis Cardinals organization and from the uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin area. Evan and I are going to talk about his baseball journey, his recruitment process to commit to Eastern Carolina University, what he's learned about perseverance through his baseball career and his development path, and his experience so far as a professional baseball player with the St. Louis Cardinals organization. This is a great episode. I learned I learned a lot talking to Evan, and I think he shares a lot of useful information for any uh, athlete that's looking to play in college or develop farther as a baseball player. What's going on, everyone? Dr. Michael Falk with Kinetic Sports Medicine and Performance. Welcome to another episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. Today, I am joined by Evan Krasinski. Evan is a pitcher from the uh, Milwaukee area that is currently with the St. Louis Cardinals organization. Um, and he and I are going to kind of dive deep into his baseball journey, share some thoughts about um, what he's learned as a pitcher over the last several years and just as a professional baseball player during this somewhat unusual time that we're in. And then um, we're going to share a little bit more information about what he's got going on and uh, some of the things that he's doing to try to help youth baseball pitchers in, in our area. So, Evan, welcome to, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming on. Mike, thanks for having me. Yeah. So I always like to start, um, you know, not everyone that listens is going to be familiar with who you are, kind of what your story. So could you share just a little bit about your baseball journey, kind of how you've gone from Franklin High School to... The Cardinals. Yeah, like you said, I went to Franklin High School. Uh, actually, grew up playing Franklin Little League. Uh, played a couple turns of travel ball, but spent most of my time with the you know the Little League fields in Franklin. Um, you know, throughout middle school, started playing a little more travel ball. Played with the Milwaukee Angels, Franklin Junior Sabers, uh, Waukesha Blazers. It's kind of just playing with whatever team needed a guy to go pitch on a weekend, and then. Um, you know, never really took it too seriously, though. Uh, you know, I'd always played basketball, football, and baseball. Um, you know, it was just summer, so I played baseball. Uh, I played every position. And, you know, in Wisconsin, they'd have me run out there at catcher and shortstop sometimes. Like, why not? <laughs> um, obviously, the game's changing in Wisconsin. I have more and more talent, and I think the game's being taken a little more seriously than when it was, you know, when I was coming up. But... Yeah, then I moved on to Franklin High School. Uh, actually started split JV varsity. I hit on JV because I couldn't handle the bat as well as I could pitch. But And honestly, I didn't really pitch that much on varsity as a freshman. I threw 78, didn't really throw strikes, and honestly had a terrible attitude. Um, I would show bad body language on the mound and you know walk a lot of guys, and it was never my fault. I would always put the blame on somebody else. And I think that was step one of the maturity process that I'm glad I – I learned pretty early was that, you know, you got to take ownership. And, you know, from there on out, sophomore year, we won state that year and never pitched. Didn't pitch the entire state tournament. Kind of punched me in the mouth, but instead of complaining and blaming the coaches, you know, I worked hard that off season. But once again, once baseball season ended, I got ready to put the football pads on as a sophomore. That sophomore year, broke my leg. Last snap I ever played in football. Um, broke my leg. Four weeks later, I was trying out for basketball, uh, played basketball a year, and then sophomore year is when I really started to take strides uh, baseball-wise. Um, you know, starting to throw mid-80s, throwing a lot of strikes, um, 
and it was like the first time in my life I kind of was like, all right, maybe I could do this for, for at least go play college. And I, was, I played for hitters uh, the following fall. Um, RJ, I mean, first guy to instill mental toughness in me. That if there's a guy in the area that can do it, it's him. And I'm forever grateful for it because, like I said, I needed to be tougher. He made me tougher. And uh, he's the one who really started to uh, make college baseball, especially like Division One baseball, a reality for me. Um, from then on out, my career, baseball career kind of happened fast. Um, you know, started getting offers. And that was really like, I'm not going to say amateur. I know college is the amateur, but that was basically what happened pre, pre-college was, you know, I was just playing three sports not taking baseball seriously. And then when baseball started to become serious, that's when I took it seriously. And I know it's not the route everyone should take, but I was just, I was just having fun with it. It's the route that more kids should take. Yeah. I think there's a, there's a lot of uh, really good stuff in there that I want to come back to later. Um, You know, just about playing multiple sports and, and, you know, quite frankly, like no one cares who the best 10 year old pitcher in the state is anymore. And, uh, I hope that's a lesson that kids can take just from even that short little introduction is that, hey, you weren't a stud in middle school or freshman year or whatever, and you and that's okay because if you want to play in college or professionally, like there's no there's no uh no glory in like winning the little league championship. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, if I start digressing, just hold me back in. But um but yeah, no and that's the thing is I, I remember more basketball and football memories when I was pre-12 than 12 years old than I do baseball memories. Um, you know, maybe because baseball has consumed my life now for the last 15 years, so all I remember is the most recent baseball memories. But, you know, growing up, I remember catching all the touchdown passes. I remember, you know, making all the three-pointers that I, that I shot, and I don't really remember striking too many guys out or hitting too many home runs. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I think it's a just a good lesson. It kind of touches on a podcast that I recorded with um, Sean Smith that runs Sticks. That he's just talking a little bit about his insights on the differences between high school baseball and travel baseball, and like that it's okay to play high school baseball and just like have fun, and then play travel baseball where you're really trying to showcase yourself, and and it's you know two different two different things. Where high school is more about the team and you know, trying to just do something with your buddies and make a memory and, you know, travel ball is more like it's become a kind of an individual, like, yeah, being on a good team is important because more scouts will come, but it's more of an individual, like showcasing your own talent. Um, and I think that's a, you know, good lesson and sort of what you're sharing too. Like, Hey, high school sports are fun and it's, it's okay to play sports and just have fun and not have to worry about like, Oh, am I going to get something out of this or, well, on top of that, when I was in high school, we played summer high school baseball. So I didn't play travel ball until my high school season was over. And my first two years, we won state. So we were playing high school baseball up until July 10th. By the time I was catching up with RJ and hitters, they had maybe one tournament left. And I, I was never seen. Yeah. Um, now that's where breaking my leg in football and having to go play fall baseball. Yeah, I, got, I definitely got my looks there. But... Uh, I'm glad they switched the rules in Wisconsin because, like you said, playing for your high school and having that sense of pride of representing something other than yourself, um, I think that will take you long further in this game than you know you showing up to a showcase just trying to 
tell every scout to look at you. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I agree. And, um, the culture has definitely changed a lot and it's a, it's some interesting conversations and I think again, we're hitting on a lot of really interesting things, but it's like kids feel like they have to be at every single showcase. Um, and it's like, Oh, I can't miss this one. It's like, yeah, you can because there's one in six weeks and there's one eight weeks after that and there's one eight weeks after that. And if you're good, you really only need to go to like one of these. Yeah. Like you're going to be seen. And that's the thing is if you're good, they'll find you. It doesn't matter where you're playing, what position you're playing. If you can play, you'll get recruited. Um, and like, yeah, the, did I go to camp? Sure. But without my parents having any baseball knowledge, we were were able to figure out what camps we were actually wanted at and what camps they just wanted to take our money. Uh, It's pretty obvious. Now there's more than what there was when I was growing up. But it's just, you kind of have to have the, you know, look in the mirror and and what kind of person, what kind of player are you? And then you'll know, hey, do, should I go to this camp? Like, do I have a shot to either play at that university or, you know, get a look at that camp? Or am I just going to this camp, throwing a Hail Mary, hoping something lands? Yeah. And I think that's the toughest part about today's day and age in, in the game. And when I come back from, you know, the season, I get around the game in the area. And every year I come back, there's something new that I'm like, uh, I don't know. Someone has to teach me this stuff because this wasn't around when I was playing. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's definitely something that I wanted to um, pick your brain about a little bit because you've done, you're not doing it so much this offseason, but in offseason's past, you've, you know, made some money in the offseason like is common for our minor league players of doing some private instruction and kind of helping out at some of these different things. And I know just because you and I have talked about it that you've, um, and let's be honest here, you're not an unopinionated fellow, yeah. um, so I know, I, I know you've got some uh, some kind of opinions and thoughts just on where the youth development has gone and what the focus is on. Um, I'd be curious for if you'd be willing to share some of those kind of thoughts and opinions about where, where baseball is going. Yeah, I just... The number one thing I see is when a parent drops a kid off for a lesson or when I'm scheduling a lesson, it's, hey, how can you teach my kid to throw 80 miles an hour? How can you teach my kid to throw 90 miles an hour? And I like to be up front with them and just say, hey, if you're looking for a guy that's going to teach your kid how to throw hard, go somewhere else. Because that's just, I mean, I don't throw the hardest. Uh, You know, I'm an 88 to 90 guy on a good day, 92. And throwing 92 mile an hour has gotten me to the... Triple A baseball level, it's gotten me drafted. It's gotten me everywhere but the big leagues playing this game. And we're still chasing that dream. Um, but I, I just be honest with them. There's no recipe to throwing hard. And I feel like every kid who picks up a baseball now, you'll see it. You know, you'll do a lesson in the offseason in December, just trying to work on some mechanics. You'll be like, all right, now just take it easy with this, with this pitch. And you'll just see him wind up and throw it as hard as they can and just go away from everything that you were just working on for the last 30 minutes. Because, you know, you watch the game now and almost everyone you see on TV is throwing hard. And I and I get it. Believe me, I, I strive to throw hard. But I think we're going about it the wrong way. Instead of it, you know, naturally developing or, you know, building up to it, we're just trying to rush the process and nothing happens overnight. And I think that's where a lot of kids and why you're seeing a lot of injuries at a younger age because kids are trying to rush the process. You know, most of these guys that are throwing 100 miles an hour in the big leagues weren't throwing 100 miles an hour in high school. They probably weren't even throwing 90. 
but with development it comes later in life and if you just stay on track and avoid getting hurt you have a better chance of throwing 100 later in life than you do you know trying to throw 95 at your showcase just so you can go either get drafted or play college ball but the injuries that come with that and i'm not saying it's a guarantee to get injured but you know if anytime you cut corners there's usually some repercussions and i think that's what we're seeing more and more of in today's day and age yeah no i agree i mean there's definitely a uh to focus on things that are like measurable, you know, for yeah. sure. And there's some pros to that, but I don't know. It's like, I mean, when's the first time that you threw a baseball on a rap soda? Two years ago. <laughs> yeah. After that? I mean, and you know, now we've got like 10 or 12 year olds, like looking for facilities that they can get their spin rate. Yeah. And it's like, now is it the 10 or 12 year olds or is it parents? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Um, and I just, I sometimes wonder, like, I wonder why. I mean, we see kids that can't skip, they can't crawl, they can't um, even do a good single leg squat. Um, and yeah, they've got trash mechanics that they can't separate and they're out of sequence, but it's just all effort. And yet they're in our office every six months with something hurting. And the first question by the without fail by the end of that first visit is can I be ready to throw at this showcase in whatever date and in whatever date and I'm just like why (laughs) I mean maybe but like is that really um is that really what's important right now like you're a freshman and Uh, I think the thing I'm most grateful for growing up was my parents knew baseball but they didn't know baseball um, so when it became like came baseball season, my dad didn't coach. My mom, you know, did the same. She just they sat and watched because they knew the game, but they didn't know how to coach the game. But at the same time, they just that was the one sport where they would just drop me off and say, "Go have fun." Where basketball, my dad coached. She knew basketball. He, that was his passion. My mom knew basketball. My mom was, I think, volleyball player in high school. So football, there was another one where they just kind of let me go, but I was. I hated football practice, so that wasn't as fun for me. <laughs> Love the games. But, um, but, yeah, so when I would do lessons, it was never, hey, this is Evan. We want him to do this. It was, hey, here's Evan. You teach him what you want to teach him. And Warren Smith, who's actually still in the area, I think he might still be coaching at Oak Creek. Uh, I'll never forget doing lessons with him standing on a two-by-four. And <laughs> And if I brought a two-by-four out to work on a kid with a lesson, now I think the parent would pull him right away and be like, this is old school. You know, it's like, what are you doing? You're bringing a two-by-four out to have a balance. Like, balance, we don't care about balance. We want them to throw hard. Yeah. And, you know, that's what people are missing out now. Because, you know, those fundamentals that I learned at 10 years old, just balancing without throwing a baseball, even though it might not have done anything for me, in my head, I was working hard at baseball. Yeah. Standing on a two by four in my power position, balance position, seeing how long I could hold that position for. And yes, there is a balance part within the pitching mechanics, and that's probably why I threw so many strikes, you know, coming up. Yeah, I know my freshman year I struggled. Freshman year of college I struggled, and guess what? First year I go to big league camp and with the Cardinals I struggle. But it's kind of just that process of, you know, you got to get over the nerves, get over the hump, and then. You know, once you get comfortable, you start throwing strikes again. But it's the foundation that I could keep going back to that I learned at 10 years old that 
a lot of parents want their kids to skip that foundation and just go to the throwing hard part. Yeah. I, uh, I agree. I just think it's going to be interesting, um, to see where this ends up. I mean, we're going to have a whole, I mean, we have a whole generation of athletes that are going to be injured, you know, and, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what's the longevity of, careers if kids start throwing 95 in high school are they going to be able to sustain that till they're 35 like we're seeing the wainwrights and carpenters and be able to pitch in their 40s are are these kids going to have that opportunity are we going to wear them out and blow them up too early that they're going to you know it's going to be like an nfl career where they might pitch to their 26 27 28 30 and then saw she wrote yeah it's funny most kids and even players nowadays they love watching the Buellers they love watching you know all the guys that go out there and throw 99 to 100 for six innings and you know just blow people's doors off but I, I love watching the the uh, Wainwrights watching him go out there at 88 to 90 you see Yachty put his glove up back there and more than likely he could probably close his eyes because Wainwright's throwing the ball right to his mitt and it's a part of the game that yeah I don't know how much longer you're going to see it for I mean He's about 40 years old. I think he is 40 years old now. and But the thing is, is the way he goes about his business is why he's able to do that and why other guys aren't. You know, he's very meticulous in what he does in the weight room. And he trains his body to go deep into ball games, not to throw 97 miles an hour. And that's why he's still playing at 40 years old, healthy, as to where you're seeing 22, 23, 24-year-olds, you know, more and more, more and more and more of them are getting hurt just because, you know, we're just chasing that number. And that number is slowly getting one mile an hour higher every year. You know, it started off, everyone's throwing 95. Now it's six, seven, eight. Now everyone's trying to throw 100. Yeah. And, you know, 2030, it's probably going to be everyone's trying to throw 110. <laughs> we're going to go out there, everyone's going to throw one inning. Your rotation is going to be one inning, and you're just going to cycle them through every, every uh, three days. Yeah. So, I mean, who knows where the game's headed, but. Yeah, the uh, seven inning outings, I don't know how much longer you're going to see those for. Yeah, no, for sure, especially in the playoffs. Um, so let's move on a little bit. Uh, would you I'd be curious, how did you end up from Wisconsin to Eastern Carolina? Yeah. Um, yeah, honestly, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> like I said, best worst thing that ever happened to me was breaking my leg. Uh, my sophomore year of football because, like I said, I never had time to go play travel ball between basketball, baseball, football. Uh, and that was the toughest decision I've ever had to make. You know, you, you grind through freshman football, which you play on Thursday nights. It Nobody's in the stands. It's not fun. And then <laughs> the next year, you move up to JV and you're like, all right, you're one step away. But then you realize that you're the practice squad for varsity. So you're just a punching bag, and especially <laughs> when down every day. yeah, especially when a bunch of your teammates from your baseball team are the seniors on the football team, the middle linebackers. You know, you're three, four hitters, so all they want to do is kick the crap out of you. Um, so, so that was miserable. And then I was actually supposed to play in my first varsity game and broke my leg in the JV game the day before. Best worst thing that ever happened to me because. You know, it wasn't too bad. Had surgery, got a fix, and then I was able to play basketball that year. Played baseball, and then um, the following fall, I had to make the tough decision to quit. And I don't regret it because it got me to where I'm at in my baseball career. But I don't, I don't ever recommend high school athletes quitting 
sports because one, if you continue to play all three of them, you're going to learn how to manage your time. Um, when I was playing basketball and football, I had a fine time to get my baseball stuff in and out. I mean, did I throw every day in the off season? Absolutely not. I can't lie to you. But especially like my junior year and senior year when I was still playing basketball, I did have to find time before or after basketball practice to go throw. Um, so just a little bit off topic there, but, but yeah, so I broke, uh, broke the leg junior year rolled around, uh, skipped homecoming, skipped all my buddies' football games. And I went down to Florida for a couple tournaments. Um, crazy how it works. Uh, you pitch once in Florida, you pitch well. I left that ballpark with 30 phone calls from 30 different colleges. Um, luck of the draw, you could say, or, you know, I just, you know, deserved it for not playing travel baseball for all that i i couldn't tell you but i threw the ball okay but once again i was 85 86 that day in fort myers florida wasn't blowing people's doors off but what i did do is i competed i didn't show bad body language like i said i learned that the hard way my freshman year um coaches look for that kind of stuff more than anything how do you react when you know stuff doesn't go your way because they know you're not going to be perfect every time you see them but how do you react when stuff goes wrong and, you know, I didn't pitch the greatest, but I handled myself, you know, maturely on the mound and got all these phone calls. And honestly, East Carolina probably wasn't even the top 10 biggest schools. Um, and the first letter I actually got from East Carolina, my dad threw it away. Uh, <laughs> he's like, because not to toot my own horn, but I got a lot of, you know, letters. And being from Wisconsin, you don't really hear much about East Carolina, especially back then. They were in the Conference USA, so the only time you heard them was when Marquette would play them in basketball. <laughs> Um, probably beat him like a drum and it was actually they actually beat D Wade that's something they still hang their hat on that's how that's successful the basketball program is but um, but yeah so threw the letter away but I really liked uh, the recruiting co- coordinator at the time it was Nick Schnabel uh, who's now at Michigan um, and the head coach at the time was Billy Godwin went on a visit loved it um, came down to Virginia and ECU Took ECU of Virginia, um, and I don't regret it a single bit. Um, you know, could have won a couple national championships at Virginia, but who knows? Maybe I just would have got my scholarship cut because I picked a school that I figured I'd fit in well academically. Um, you know, I was a 3.5 student in high school, um, which is okay. It wasn't in any honors classes, no AP, but I pushed myself, um, especially with all the you know, activities I had after school. And then um, I felt like East Carolina was the best, best fit in that aspect. And then just walking around campus, out of all the campuses that I would walk around, it's just like I, I fit here. You know, it wasn't too preppy. It wasn't, um, you know, too country. Um, it was just like I kind of felt a little bit more at home at East Carolina. And, you know, looking back, that, that was probably the smartest thing that I could have done was picking a school that fit for me because when I did suck as a freshman, um, and I mean sucked, I threw in three <laughs> games, I got three outs, and all three outs came in one game. So in two of those other games, I didn't get an out. I think I had like a 99 ERA. Um, and baseball was miserable, but I was enjoying my time off the field. And I'm not saying like partying, I'm not saying any of that, but just I liked where I was. I, I loved North Carolina. I loved my teammates. Um, I loved the pitching coach. I can't say all coaches. I loved the pitching coach. Um, and it just, 
it made me feel at home. So when I was struggling, I had people to talk to. And even though I was so far away, I, I didn't have that like urge to go back home. And having that kind of sense of, you know, uh, I don't know the right word for that, but just being happy with where I was didn't make me want to transfer after my freshman year after a bad year because the pitching coach wanted me. He liked me. I knew he was going to develop me, and they weren't just going to cut my scholarship after a bad year. And I actually came back home after that bad year pitching in the Northwoods League, and the rest was history. I threw on the Northwoods League. Sophomore year, I was the opening day starter against Virginia. Uh, all comes full circle. Actually lost, but it was like a two-to-one game. They just won the national championship with the runners-up. So it was a good game. Um, and, you know, it was just putting my head down and sticking to it. Definitely have to give a shout-out to my parents, though, because at times I did want to transfer, not because I didn't like school, but just because I wanted to play. You know, it was the first time in my life I watched 56 games of baseball. <laughs> Actually, I should say 53 because I pitched in three of them, but it was terrible. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to transfer, but I didn't. And it was the best decision myself and my par- with the guidance my parents ever made and was able to stick it out there and eventually get drafted. Yeah. I, mean, I think that's something that keeps kind of coming up for you without um, through your high school story and then early in college and and so far even in your professional career is like just perseverance and like it's easy to be it's easy to be a front runner like when everything's going well and you're hot and you're everyone wants a piece of you like anybody can do that right it's like but no one even the best professional pitchers are going to go out and throw a shot out every single outing they're going to have a down year a down stretch of games or an injury or whatever the case may be and they're going to have um, to deal with that adversity. And it's like, can you can you stick with it and keep coming back? Or do you quit or leave or transfer or give up? And Yeah, and I, I think I don't, I'm not saying transferring is the wrong thing to do. Um, and I don't think you are either. Uh, but I definitely see in some scenarios how transferring would be the right move for a player. But I think... It's the players who transfer when the coach is putting in the time and effort to help them. That's the stuff that I don't understand because just because you transfer doesn't mean you're going to go to a school that one will play you and two will have coaches that will want to work with you. Um, I saw it too many, too many times with teammates. I see it too many times in even professional baseball, guys who just hang them up uh, too soon, which if you want to move on, you know, we don't get paid much. I get it. But um, it's more the fact that the guys in college that transfer because they didn't play but, you know, like I said, the coach is putting in the time and effort to help you become a better baseball player. And you develop, develop the same way in college you do the same way in high school, the same way you did growing up as a kid. You know, you're not just going to step foot on college and be the best player. You could be, but there's going to be growing pains along the way. Like, at no point are you – it's it's baseball. You're going to get kicked in the mouth at some point. And instead of me getting kicked in the mouth for a week, I got kicked in the mouth for a year. And, you yeah. know. I've learned stuff that year that helped me become a better baseball player my sophomore year, my junior year, my senior year. And guess what? When I struggled my first year in pro ball, I was able to overcome that. And every time I struggle in pro ball, like, uh, you know, I've had a rough couple of years, I'd say. I mean, especially with COVID not playing. But um, it's the reason I keep coming back is because I know it's in there. I know at some point, you know, I'll either be able to push through at least if I don't. 
you know, be able to say, all right, well, at least I gave it my best shot. But RJ Fergus always said, let them take the jersey from you. Don't, you know, put the jersey up. So um, that's another thing. Like maybe he's the one who taught it to me. I couldn't tell you. I can't, I can't tell you. Like I can't pinpoint one time where I was like, all right, this is where I learned how to push through. I mean, my parent. I think my parents did a great job of instilling that in me as well. But I just see it too many times of guys giving up on people who want to do better for them in their life. And I think that's what kids need to realize is, don't get me wrong, there's a good time to transfer. If you want to quit, good time to quit. But if there's people willing to help you and jump on your ship, don't let them down. Yeah. No, I think that's um, really good advice. I mean, I hope that any, whether it's baseball players or just athletes in general that are looking for colleges are able to take a lot from that story about, um, you know, both how to pick a school and like, yeah, maybe it, I mean, everyone wants to say that if you're a football player that, Oh, I got an offer from Alabama or I could go play football for the Badgers. Right. Like, but is that actually the best school? Like, is that actually the best school for you? Or are you just doing it for the ego hit to be able to walk around high school and say, I'm going to X place versus like, maybe there's a smaller school that, you love that you love the coaching staff. You can go there and be a stud versus going somewhere else and, and riding the pine. There's a lot of factors that go into it. And, um, you know, don't just pick a school off of name recognition, but like really do your homework and think about like, where could you be truly happy and successful and not just be successful by getting a scholarship, but oh, be successful sure. by chasing your dreams. For sure. So what, uh, what was the experience of getting drafted? Like, Oh, it was, Terrible. Um, <laughs> no, it was great. Don't get me wrong. Um, but after my junior year, uh, actually, I should say during my junior year, I was having a pretty good year. Um, I was getting a lot of interest, but um, I didn't have an agent. I didn't care about the draft. I, it's just how I always played baseball. When I was in high school, I didn't care about college until colleges presented itself. And when I was in college, I didn't care about the draft until, you know, I started getting interest. And I'm not going to say it hurt me because I don't regret a single thing that's happened, but, um, I was having a really good year and, you know, interest is coming. And then they ask you, what's your, what's your price? What are you going to sign for? You know, it's not like the NFL draft or the NBA draft where they just take you. They need to know your, what is called this, your signability and signability is like how much would, if we offered you this money, would you take it? Because in the MLB draft, as a player, you can just turn down whatever you want. And so I just gave him my number. I thought it was a pretty good number and um, never got it. I did get calls asking me for you know a little less money. And this is where the whole velocity thing kind of comes into play. I was... I was playing in the American Conference. There's a different pitcher in the conference. Left-handed. He was 6-4. and four. I was 9-0. and oh. um, I had a sub-1 or sub-2 ERA. He had a sub-3 ERA. He threw 95. I threw 89. He's a first-rounder. I was getting calls in the 7th and 8th and ninth round. That's about a $700,000 difference. Um, now, I wasn't asking for millions of dollars, but I was asking for... Pretty close to what he, pretty close to, to half of what he was getting, just because you know I could pitch and I knew I could pitch and I knew I'd have success at the next level because I could pitch. 
and I didn't get it. But the crazy thing was, is I was actually walking out to a super regional game facing Texas Tech. And without an agent, they're just calling me directly, all the teams, all the scouts. So I'm literally walking on the bus about to pitch the game, biggest game of my life in Lubbock, Texas, to uh, get to the College World Series. And uh, I get a call from the Diamondbacks. Hey, will you take this in the ninth round? I'm like, ah, no, I'm, I'm good. And it's crazy to think that, you know, I had an opportunity to get drafted as a 21-year-old, and I don't know what was going on in my head, but I could not get over the fact that I was about to pitch in the biggest game of my life, and I didn't even think twice about saying no to all this money. Um, and looking back, it's like, I, I don't know if I could do that same thing over. Like, you know, listening to the amount of money that people were throwing and me just saying no to it without even, you know, blinking. And went out, actually, we beat Texas Tech, first ever Super Regional win in East Carolina history, and got back to my phone, had a couple calls from the Brewers saying, hey, we're going to try to draft you day two. And I said, don't bother because, you know, I'm not going to take that amount of money. Like, I, I just set a value in myself, and I didn't break from it. Draft comes and goes. I didn't get drafted and went back for my senior year at East Carolina. And how the draft works, you go as a senior, you have no leverage. You have no leverage. Teams know that. They'll give you, you know, anywhere between $3,000 to $20,000 and say, take it or leave it as a senior. Um, maybe if you have a astonishing year, you know, you, you could potentially get as much money as you would as a junior. But I uh, broke my leg my junior year, third start of the year, line drive back at me. Same thing that just happened to Charlie Morton, honestly. Um, line drive, broke my fibula. fibula yeah. Yeah. Fib, tib, yeah, I broke my fibula, same thing. Went back out and pitched a couple more innings, and it was it was done. So that didn't help my draft stock. But senior year rolls around, or the draft rolls around senior year, and I, I'm working out. Just by ourselves, you know, our season's over and I'm just in the gym by myself and I get a text from a number I don't have. Hey, this is uh, TC Calhoun. We're probably going to draft you today. And it was day two. Um, I was like, okay, cool. Who is this? <laughs> and it was, it was the Cardinals. And I was like, all right, cool. And uh, my dad and I were actually golfing. And I get a call from the Mets in the sixth round saying, hey, we're going to take you here. I was like, all right, sweet. Mets pick came. Never got picked. It's just crazy how the draft works. You know, it'll play play mind games with you because they can tell you that uh, they're going to draft you. But to give you a short summary, all of these scouts that the, these teams have, they all go into one room on draft day, and it's like they're all they're all stating their case as to why we should take you with this pick right here. So the scout for the Mets, who probably wanted me to get drafted, he said we're going to draft you here. And then he tried giving his probably case to you know the guy who was making the actual decision, and he got outbid. And never heard back from the Mets. And Cardinals said, hey, we're taking you in the ninth round. Brewers called and said, hey, we're taking you in the tenth round. Say no to the Cardinals. And I was like, after that Mets decision, absolutely not. And, you know, as much as I wanted to play for the Brewers growing up, being in the Cardinals organization was one of the best things that's happened to me. You know, I got pushed through the, through the organization pretty quickly. Being AAA in my second full season at 23 years old and now still being here at 26 is kind of tough. But... Um, <laughs> But now getting pushed through the organization and everything, all the coaches, all the players, all the history that I've gotten to see and witness and people I've met, it's uh, it's been a heck of a ride. Yeah. No, that's uh, a great story. So I know that you're, you have some plans coming up here. Um, obviously, you're sharing a lot of great information just today, but... Um, can you tell us a little bit more about what you have coming up in early December for, for players? Yeah. Talked a little bit about it today, but... 
Um, kind of how I was just talking how when I was going through the process and of the recruiting process in high school, my parents were there to help, but they didn't really know much about, you know, scholarships. Uh, they didn't know much about, you know, quiet periods for coaching. And honestly, they didn't know much about the difference between division one, division two, and division three. When I was, you know, 10 years old, they sent me to a Carthage baseball camp. That was my dream college. And it's, I mean, truthfully, there's nothing, there was nothing wrong with that. And still looking back, it's like, I, I have nothing. Like I, I know a lot of players that played at Carthage college that were damn good baseball players. And I think today's day and age, back to what we were saying is that everyone just wants to go to the big name school. And instead of picking the school, that's the right fit for them. They just want to go pick the school that they can post on their Twitter and show all their friends and their parents can go talk at some coffee book club that they can say that their kid is going to, you know, Arizona State to go play baseball. And I'm actually running a, a clinic not only on the recruiting end, but also on uh, the mental side of the game and also, uh, you know, what to prepare for once you show up to campus. Because I think that was another eye-opening experience why I struggled when I got to ECU was I wasn't prepared for, you know, you know, you always heard about time management, but you didn't know that you had study hall from 8 to 10 o'clock at night every day of the week except Saturday, Sunday. And, you know, that change of schedule that kind of caught me off guard, it, it didn't allow me to be the best of my abilities on the baseball field strictly because I wasn't prepared for it. So I'm going to run this uh, little clinic and actually have some pretty big uh, helpers come along to help me do it uh, the first three weeks of December. It's going to be December 6th, December 13th, and December 20th from 7.30 to 8.30 at the new Mosh Center in Franklin. Uh, AJ Ellis is going to come speak. I think you're going to come speak. Mm -hmm. uh, ben Heller, uh, Chris Conley, who's the catcher for the Milkman, uh, excuse me, AJ Ellis obviously caught for the Dodgers for a while. Now he's in the Padres front office. Ben Heller, big leader with the Yankees for a while from the area. Um, Chris Conley catches for the uh, Milwaukee Milkman. He went to Canisius College. I have uh, Pat Sisk, who's the pitching coach now at MATC Milwaukee. He's uh, He's been a, what we call a journeyman. You know, went to a bunch of different schools, and he's also from the area. A uh, great ball player, better coach. And, you know, still still seeing if we can get more volunteers to come speak, but basically just going to help kids and parents understand the recruiting process, what to prepare for when you get to college, and then the mental side of the game that, you know, like I said, has kind of allowed me to stick in this game longer than most just because of the perseverance and, you know, just keep putting your head down no matter what's going on and just keep going to work. Yeah. No, I think that's awesome, and I think uh, it'll be a really good event. It's kind of – Lots of people do skills camps or just camps about how to play baseball, and those are great. Definitely a time and a place to develop, but I think from everything that I know, this is going to be a really unique unique opportunity to learn about some of the other things surrounding about surrounding baseball that will help young players ultimately reach their dreams and goals, whatever that might look at. So um, I know I'm excited to be there. I think I'll be there on the 20th, and uh, um really excited for this. So we will include a link to all the registration um, things for that uh, clinic that Evan's running. It'll be in the show notes and um, you can click on that and sign up um, and do that in early December. So Evan, um, really appreciate it. We always end with just like a quick little fun 
kind of lightning round with a couple of, uh, couple of questions just to um, have a little bit of fun. Your answers can be as short or as long as, uh, as you want to. So do you have a, a favorite story from your time in professional baseball so far? Favorite story from the time in professional baseball? Well, I guess I'll go with the one that I just told you. Um, first outing went great. Didn't have to get pulled, you know, four clean ones. Second outing, not so much. Was getting hit around the park pretty good. Well, in college, um, the coach would always shake your hand and you'd stay on the mound and pass the baseball off to the next pitcher that came in. Well, first time I'm getting pulled in professional baseball, a manager comes out to pull me, sticks his hand out, and I shake his hand. And everyone in the infield or on the mound just kind of looks at me and goes, or the manager goes, I just need the baseball. You don't need to shake my hand. And he tells me to get in the dugout. So I'm just, now I'm awkwardly walking off the field in Kane County. And everyone's like, why is he walking so weird? And I'm walking weird because I'm just so flustered at this point. And he gets to the dugout, comes up to me, shakes my hand in the dugout and says, I'll shake your hand in here. But out there, I just need the baseball. And, you know, it's just funny. First uh, <laughs> first struggles in pro ball and came with a pretty good story that me and now he's the field coordinator still joke about. Yeah. Welcome to the, welcome to the yeah. big leagues. You're not in college anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's great. All right. You're from, uh, from the Milwaukee area. Any... Uh, favorite like Milwaukee restaurant or Milwaukee experience uh, that you really love? Milwaukee experience. Well, the whole experience in general coming home, you know, it's, it's, I think Milwaukee is one of the most unique places in the world. And there's nothing I love more than being out, you know, during the season. Where are you from? Milwaukee. Oh, that place kind of sucks. I'm like, all right, good. I don't even try to like, you know, speak highly of it just because I love how everyone thinks it's such a dump until people actually come here. Yeah. And they're like, oh, wow, this place is kind of fun. Yeah. But at the same time, it's not touristy. There's no traffic. So it's like, why would I want you to come to my city if you yeah. think it's a nice city? But yeah. Drinks yeah. are half as much yeah, as you, Chicago. Yeah, you, know, you, get a drink, you get a beer for $4 and it's refreshing. <laughs> yeah. You know, not having to pay 10 bucks for a beer. Um, favorite restaurants, too many to name. First one that's coming off the top, I was actually just there, Maxi's. I'm, I'm a big Ooh. oyster guy. I'm a big, like, Cajun style. I love Maxi's. Yeah. I, uh, their brisket and yeah. mac and cheese. It's yeah. killer. That's, uh, they also make a really good, uh, I'm a big bourbon guy. They make a really good Sazerac there. If you've, uh, ever had that, yeah. that'll have to be your next, uh, next thing to try. I have to give it a shot. So... Um, all right, and then uh, favorite activity to do if you're not playing baseball? Girlfriend's not going to like to hear this, but I love playing video games. You know, I'm still 26 <laughs> years old, and yeah, it's a good way to still connect. Everyone still plays video games in some, in some capacity, and we still run a Madden League. There you go. So we play an online Madden League that we still, you know, have been running for about 10 years that we keep up with. But I love to fish, and then, uh, you know, as you know, I, I try to uh, I try to golf. Um, got a little better, but it's one of those things, you know. Someone that with or someone with my skill level probably would have quit ten years ago, but I'm just gonna keep pushing, and someday I'll break eighty. Yeah, there we go. Nick, it'll be uh, off season goals for yeah, next year. So, go. all right, Evan, I uh, really appreciate the time today um, to sit down and share some of your experience with us and with anybody that listens and um, I'm very excited to speak at that clinic we'll get all that information into the show notes so thanks again and then thank you to everyone that's listening we'll see you guys in the next episode hey Dr. Michael here I want to say a sincere thank you for taking the time to listen to that episode I hope you got a lot out of it 
Dr. Brett, Lauren, and I are all extremely passionate about this podcast and trying to use it to help share high-quality, factual information and debunk some of the common myths and misconceptions that we see around athletic performance and rehabilitation. If you have a minute, we would sincerely appreciate you taking the time to leave a rating and review on iTunes or sharing this podcast with a teammate, coach, or colleague who you think may benefit. We want as many people to be able to hear and listen to this information as possible. Lastly, if you are on social media, head over to our page at MKE Sports Podcast or at Kinetic underscore SMP to follow us so that you get all the latest information. We love to engage, so leave a comment on this podcast. Tell us what you learned or feel free to ask us a question. We sincerely appreciate all of the support and we look forward to seeing you guys in the next episode.